Amen. Well, good morning, church. For the second time, I'm not used to doing the welcome and having to double greet on that. It's kind of nice. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Revelation. We'll be in chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. If you were with us last week, I promised you we would get past the seven churches. I promised you that we would move beyond that. And so want to be true to my word uh, today as we walk through this next step, this big picture of what's going on in God's word, this big picture of what's happening in God's church. Um, if you weren't with us last week, just a short recap to you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says, uh, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ given to him by the Lord, by the Father, for or to be shared with the church. And we talked about how that word revelation means uncovering is what that means, right? And it was so great. Got a text message from a friend this week. And what we were doing is we were just talking about how that's a blessing. Uh, in fact, the word beatitude was even used. And, and when we think about the beatitudes, my heart goes to the Sermon on the Mount and it just reminds me that God has this blessing for his people that looks dramatically different than what the world wants for us. Like it's just dramatically different. And when we read this book of Revelation, it is this blessing, like every word if you belong to Christ Jesus, is meant to be an encouragement to you. And I want you to know what we read about in chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, like it really challenges that in us sometimes. So the song that we just sang, right, is who is worthy to open the scroll, right? To break the seals. So that's the passage that we're going to read about today. So let me jump in. Chapter 5, verse 1. And let's read those words that we just sang. And then I'll give you a little context for it. The Bible says it this way. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written, on, written within and on the back. Sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under earth, the earth, was able to, to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. So this is the context for the song that we just sang. Like, who is able, who is worthy to open the scrolls? Now, now here's the amazing thing of this picture. The framework that that's done is, is do you know what's inside of the scrolls? So the first seal is war. The second seal is taking away peace from the whole earth. The third seal is famine or massive economy wrecking inflation. The fourth seal is death. Would you be like, oh, I just, I, I'm weeping that no one's opening that? I mean, have you thought about that for just a moment? That seems like a weird thought. Like, most of us would think, no one's here to open that. That's a positive moment. It's a good thing. I don't think any of us have ever like prayed like, God, would you just please, before you come back, let me experience it, that war and removal of peace and inflation that threatens all our economy and the world and, and death. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Have you ever had that thought in your whole life? No, I, it's such an interesting passage in and of itself out of the big picture of God 
And what we're going to look today is how what we read about in the rest of chapter 5 and all of chapter 6, framed in by chapter 5 and chapter 7, like how it all makes this incredible uncovering, this picture that makes our faith make sense. So if there's anything I want you to, to know today, anything you leave with today, here's what you're going to hear through the whole sermon the rest of the way. That our Lord Jesus is everything you've ever read about and he's more than you'll ever imagine. That's why this is a potent passage of scripture. And if that's true of him, then his plans for you are everything you've ever read about and more than you've ever imagined and better. And and it's that foundation, it's that truth that all of a sudden allows us to see what's going on in this big picture. So these seals, they open war and conquering, lacking peace, the third seal, famine and, and inflation, the fourth seal, death, the fifth seal that you open, like I think creation breathes a sigh of relief. The saints come up and say, how long do you bring judgment? And God says, wait. Like that's the break in the fifth seal. And the sixth seal says this. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me in chapter six of Revelation verse 12 through 17 this is what the bible says when he opened the sixth seal i looked and behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale the sky vanished like a scroll that's being rolled up and every mountain and island would remove from its place then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, every slave, every free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the faith, face of him who is created, excuse me, from him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the land for the great day of their wrath has come and who could stand this is the breaking of the sixth seal and what scripture says in chapter 5 of the book of Revelation is that John in verse 4 began to weep loudly because no one was able to open the seal how do you worship I mean, what, what's your foundation for worship? Because I think that's what this whole section starts to tie into is this reality that when our foundation is right for worship, then we have this joy of seeing God's plan bigger than we've ever heard about. It's not about the song we sing. It's not about the style. It's not about the rhythm. It's not about the age. See, worship is done by faith. And that's why someone in captivity in Sudan being beaten to death can worship just as freely as we can here in this place. You follow me? It's the same way that someone who's holding their spouse's hand on their deathbed can worship 
just like we do in here because worship is not constrained by the context or the circumstance or the people around us that's not the foundation for worship John in this moment I would tell you when he is weeping he is worshiping because he knows that God's plan is good and if that, if that scroll contains God's plan it is good and it's good for him and it's good for his people that's when the blessing stands out I think that's when the Lord opens his heart and mind have you ever struggled to figure out why in the world the Lord is letting what's going on in your life happen has it ever happened like God why are you letting this happen to me why are you letting us go through this I would tell you in my heart and what scripture would show you is if you wondering about that is prohibiting you from worshiping that's why God's letting it happen to remind you that if you fix your eyes on anything else but believing in him he's trying to get your attention and that's a story that all of us have walked through but John in this moment he's not perfect he weeps because he longs to worship however and wherever and in whatever circumstance God puts upon us he doesn't run he doesn't get crazy he doesn't seek something else by faith he knows that God is greater than everything he's ever heard about and his imagination still falls short. We're going to look at how God reveals this to him in a blessing in two ways. The first one, if you're a note taker, will be found in chapter 5, verse 2. The second part will be uh, in chapter uh, 7, verse 15 through 17. So that's where we'll be hanging out today or as we look through these things. Excuse me, chapter 6, verse 15 through 17. I have it wrong in my notes. There's two questions that are, that are raised that God uses to uncover this gift to John and to the churches remember he's already told the churches fix your eyes on me stop entertaining those thoughts stop entertaining and tolerating those sins stop doing all those things now get ready for the blessing right so this is why it's a blessing the first blessing comes in verse 2 of chapter 5 the Bible says it this way and, the might, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? I mean, the picture and the imagery is so beautiful. The, the king is on the throne. All of the heavenly beings are worshiping and they're crying out, who is worthy? Who, who is worthy to come up to the hand of the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And take that seal, that scroll, and open those seals. Who is worthy? Approaching the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it's something that we do all the time. We bow at dinner and those kinds of things. But I want to let you know, we approach the throne of grace with confidence because of the one who was worthy to take the, the scroll. You follow me? Without Jesus Christ, you and I would not be able to approach the throne of the King. We would shudder in our boots we are not worthy but chapter 5 verse 5 says this 
one of the elders looked to me this is John reading and he said weep no more behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scrolls and its seven seals I just thought in this moment when John would have heard those words he would have thought of all of the Bible stories he learned in his VBS in his Sunday school so to speak all the stories they dreamed about as a king was promised Gen Gen excuse me Genesis 49 9 says Judah is a lion's cub Isaiah 11, 1 and 2 says, There will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, the branch from him whose roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. When he heard these words, I, I can only imagine that these scriptures started rolling through his minds, and he was ready to see this conquering king, the one that, remember, everyone was waiting for when Jesus walked the earth before he was crucified and resurrected. What everyone had been waiting is just this king, this commanding officer, brilliant and powerful, by every worldly measure, a man of man, of men. And I can imagine as he heard those words and he turned to look, he had pictured everything he had ever heard and couldn't wait to see it. But what he saw was verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, in which the seven spirits of God uh, sent out into all the earth in verse 7 and he went and took the scroll from the right hand who was seated on the throne he expected a conquering king and he saw a lamb that had been slain yet lives have you ever had one of those moments this is going to really make this moment small, but I want you to follow me. Have you ever picked up a glass of water and there was something other than water in it, like Sprite or something else? Have you ever been startled like by what you tasted? Like what you tasted is good, it's just not at all what you expected. Has it ever happened to you? Right? Some of you like in marriage, you, you started that way and now it's a surprise. It's not at all what you expected. But it's good, right? Amen, it's good. I just feel like in this moment, this is John. I've heard of the conquering king. And I walked with Jesus. And God uncovered his eyes. Because the lamb who was slain is the one who was the conquering king that prophecy told about. He is the one who is the lamb slain for my sins. And he is the one who will be worthy to open the scrolls. He was, he is, and he always will be. Church, in this moment, do you see what God's uncovering? When you read the stories of Jesus in the Gospels, 
you are reading about the one who was prophesied the conquering king, the one who is the servant of God, the, the Messiah came to earth, lived, died, and rose again for our sin, and the one who will be the promised fulfillment of every story you teach your children, of every whisper you tell your wife. We are not a church of fairy tales and figments of your imagination. And what Revelation does is its point is to uncover the eyes of those whose hearts are ready to worship and believe that God is so good that every word you've ever heard should be piled up in your heart so that it might stir your imagination about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his plans for you. And that even that dreaming, it will fall short of what is in store. I thought about this with our children When you talk to your kids about Jesus, who do you talk about? What invades your thoughts? Is it the belief that he is the one who was and is and will be, or is he just the one who is and has done? Jesus is a historical figure. He is real, but that's not all he is. And here's the proof of that faith. Because our hearts, whether in talking to our wife, encouraging our child, speaking to a friend, if our heart misses Jesus as the one who will be, the one who will be worthy, the one who will restore things, then our faith will always leave us wanting and worldly men and worldly women, spouses, children, parents, pastors will let you down. because your faith is stopping at the one who was and the one who is. And God says, and it's also the one who will be. At this moment of revelation, look what pops up, <coughs> excuse me, in verse nine. And they sang a new song this is a song they didn't have before. This is a song that, that hadn't existed. This is an emotion they haven't felt. This is a thought they hadn't had. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals. And from you were slain, and by your blood you ransom people for God and for every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Is that who Jesus is when you worship? I mean, I've told you this before. It's just one of my favorite stories. When Connor gave his life to Jesus as a child, we baptized, got him baptized when I think he was five, right about to be six is when he did that. And I'm always anxious about those things. And I remember having a conversation with him saying, Dad, heaven's gonna be great, isn't it? Like, it's gonna be incredible. It's going to be awesome 
to see Jesus and all that he has plans. I said, buddy, we have no idea. And he said, dad, why don't we just die ourselves right now so we can get there quick? <laughs> Two things went through my heart at one time. How do you handle that? And thank you, Jesus, that my son believes that everything he's ever heard falls short to everything he will ever see. And I told him that day, Jesus doesn't like it when we cut in line. So that's why we don't. Is that how your heart is stirred? Or are you just worshiping a Jesus that will get you through this day to tomorrow and through this day to the next day and through this day to the next day that's the Jesus of the here and now that's not the one who will be but God uncovered John's eyes and our eyes by showing him that all he's ever heard was right all he ever knew was right but what was to come was even better It didn't stop there. It's almost like one piece of paper folding in on itself to make this beautiful picture, this origami. God is working for our good. His plans are good. But then this second question happens in chapter 6. If you have your Bible, turn there with me. It'll be in verse 17. For they cried out, and we read the context of all of these things, Right? read the context and it says for the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand now here's what i want you to know in this big picture it just said everybody who's on the earth is hiding in fact the lord went out of his way to talk about every great small everybody is hiding and the the church is crying or the, the world is crying out like who could stand judgment is dawning you see, I think here in this picture is this reality that somewhere deep in our hearts, we know we're imperfect and we deserve judgment and it scares the fire out of us, amen? And, and to a degree, the, the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of the Lord, that's good. But if you belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if judgment equals fear, then you need this uncovering. That's what the Lord shows John. The world is terrified. Who can stand? The sixth seal has been broken. The world is falling apart. Everyone is wrestling with the reality around us. How can a good God do this? And how could anyone ever stand? Chapter 7, verse 1. And after this, saw the four, after this, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the sea or against any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising sun to the seal of the living God. And he called out with a loud voice from the four angels who had been given power to harm the sea and the earth. And this is what he said. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. 
12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. Excuse me. And I heard the number on their number of sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 from the tribe of Levi. 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. Do you know the book in the Old Testament that no one likes to read? What's the name of it? Numbers. <laughs> That's the right answer, right? Right? <laughs> In this moment, I think that John flashed back to all those times his mama made him listen to the book of Numbers. This is a heavenly census going on. This is God saying the full number of the full tribe of Judah, they're going to be sealed and marked and saved. The promises of our God are sure. I've heard about this my whole life. I've heard that we are God's chosen people and that all of God's chosen people will enter in. I have heard this from the time I was a child. God is a promise keeper. Everything I've ever heard is true. And then verse 9. After this, I looked. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and all the tribes and all the people and all the languages standing before the throne of God and the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to the God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. What John had heard his whole life and what he is seeing now, they come together in Jesus you see because the verses that were tucked away were verses like Isaiah 49 6 coming to life he says is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring them back to the preserved back the preserved of Israel I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Who can stand on the day of judgment when the whole world is afraid? All of the people of God. The chosen people of God who he has preserved as a remnant from himself from the 12 tribes of Judah. And every other person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ and been adopted in by the Father no matter the tribe no matter the nation no matter the tongue what he had heard about was great but what he saw was better than he had ever imagined 
as I thought about this church, Jesus doesn't say the difficulties are gonna cease. In fact, part of the blessing is letting us know that difficulties are real. Letting them know that his word is true. And the question for you today is does this uncovering cause you to worship? I mean, there's a conviction in this uncovering, amen? Because we get scared of judgment. We want Jesus to return after our kids grow up, graduate high school, get married, and give us 4.2 grandkids, amen? When someone's taken too young, it's because they didn't get to delight in all the worldly things that we should desire more than Jesus. But that's not why this uncovering is here to affirm a false belief. It's to remind us that everything you've ever heard is true. And if there's anything that should make you not just read the word of God, but consume it as food that you live on, it's that reality. Because when God, not, not just memorizing his word, but when his word is in you, your heart anticipates worship because he's the one who will be. And in heaven, we're gonna look around and we won't just see the members of Parkway. We're gonna look around and see God's promise was way bigger than we've ever dreamed. Are the cartoons we've ever pictured, all the artists who've ever drawn it, they all fall short. And until that day, the world's still gonna fall apart. People are still going to attack the bride of Christ. Age is still gonna set in. And it's good. Because he is good. And no matter what happens, when the day of our Lord comes, that's the day we should live for. Mountains fallen, earthquakes happening, economies falling, it doesn't matter. Because your citizenship belongs in heaven if you are in Christ Jesus. So let those words fill your worship as you share it with your grandchildren, don't stop at th that we worship a Jesus who simply heals the broken. He does, but it's so much more. Don't stop that Jesus will just simply bring peace. He will, but it's so much more. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
this uncovering is a blessing for you because you're here to hear about it. Who can stand on the day of the Lord when his judgment comes? Those whom have pledged their loyalty to the lamb that was slain. That's who can stand. It doesn't matter how you came in this room. It doesn't matter what you carried in. His blood was shed for you. And right here and right now, you get to decide. Either I will give my life to the one who is worthy, or I won't. God is calling you. He's uncovering your eyes in this moment to say, hand it over and see how good I am. And if you are walking with Christ, fix your eyes on him. Don't pay attention to the bitterness and brokenness of creation. That sin's curse. Genesis chapter three, it's actually a reminder that God's promises are true. It's true. Everything you've ever heard, 